How's everybody feeling tonight? Pretty good tonight? All right, a couple of us. Did everybody have a good 4th of July? Yes. It was a long break. We missed you guys a whole bunch. Uh, the summer's, I feel like it's going by fast. Is it going by fast for you guys too? Does it feel like school's right around the corner? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about that. Um, you know, something that I got into this summer a little bit more is mountain biking. Are there any mountain biker people here? People that mountain bike a little bit, a couple, a few, all right. All right, so there's this thing in mountain biking, and there's like, there's two kinds of mountain bikers. There's people that do flat pedals, and there's people that do clip-ins. Now, I do clip-ins, and I still don't know why, okay? Let me explain. A clip-in is like this little tiny, uh, like, thing on the bottom of your shoe that, like, clips into your pedal so that, like, you can push with one leg while you pull with the other. So you're attached to the bike, okay? Now... That's really nice for climbing hills and stuff like that. And like, I can actually, you know, like get my whole bike off the ground if I jump a little bit because I'm connected to it. The bad part about that is it's really hard to let the bike go. Like if you're about to fall. Or it's so hard to let go sometimes that it causes you to fall. So last year I only went mountain biking two times. And the second time I stopped because of the clip-ins. What happened was it, was it was a super easy little place too. And some of you guys have heard this story, but I was just... I was just going along, and Joe, I was with Joe. Joe's a beast on his mountain bike. He's really, really good. And so he's, you know, doing triple backflip gainer things. And, um, and I'm just, I go up, and I hit a rock, and I stop. And that's, that should have been the end of the story right there. Hit a rock. What happens when you stop on a bike? You put your foot down, right? Well, I couldn't let go of my bike. I couldn't let go because my feet were stuck on the pedals. And there's like a, a little thing you have to, like, take your heel out first to get your foot off the pedal. Well, what instead I did is I fell over instead. I, I chose to fall over. And so it's not that big of a deal because if you're on your bike and you just tip over, it's like, okay, you fell. And it's really lame. And this happened to me a lot. But this particular time last year on the second, second trip of the year is I, I put my hand out to, you know, like stiff arm the earth um, and, and then push myself up with one hand like I do all the time in push-ups. Um, but instead what happened was when I put my hand out, my middle finger caught a rock and then my whole, my whole hand went past that rock and my, my middle finger was pointed this way. It was like this. It was completely dislocated. And Joe, Joe, and Joe just looked back and I'm like, my finger's dislocated. It was the lamest thing, all because I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go of my bike. There's a, I have some trouble letting go of things. Does anybody else have trouble letting go of some certain things in their life? Something I have trouble letting go of are jokes. I'll say the same jokes again and again because I think that they are funny. And there's a lot of people on staff that are laughing because they, they've heard the same jokes. On Sunday, my own daughter was like, okay, that's enough. She's three. You know what her jokes are? You know what her jam is? Guess what? Chicken butt. That's what she's, that's what she's into right now. And I, I have annoyed her. On Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday, I was at uh, Arts and Crafts in Kids Church in our second through fifth grade, and they're making pet rocks. It's where you get rock, and you draw faces on it, and you glue eyeballs to it, and it's like, look, it's Susie or whatever, right? And, and, and so they're doing that. And so I come up with a good joke, all right? And I come up, so I get over there and I'm, and I'm next to a couple students and I'm there and I'm, I'm drawing on my thing. And I'm like, look guys, <laughs> I made a rock star. Just a star on a rock. There it is. Well, I didn't let this go all Sunday. I kept this stone in my pocket. I didn't let it go so much that I wrote this into my sermon, Okay. I have trouble letting stuff go. I do have trouble stuff, letting stuff go. But there's things in our life that 
we have trouble with. We have trouble letting things go. And so over the next two weeks, we want to talk about some certain things in our life that we think that we just need to just let go. Like if we can let go of these things, I think our life will be easier. I think God's going to be able to do more things in our life. And it's not going to hold us back from what God wants for us in our future. But the problem is the act of letting go. I feel like it's, it's almost like an art form that's needed. And it's mapped out in the Bible all over uh, is, is how to let things go. And there's a lot of things in life um, that, are just, that are just tough to let go. Like maybe that Snapchat story that you saw that had your name in it that you didn't know about. Hard to let that go, right? It's hard to let, it's hard to let little things go like that. It's hard to let uh, the last words that your mom said to you before you left the house, right? That could be something that my mom used to just always get the last word and it drove me insane, especially when I was like living in her house. She still does it now, like before I hang up. And, and so it's these, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, I love your face. Um, but, but it's these things that like, sometimes it's tough to let things go. Um, maybe it's just like that, man, it's just that, that kid on Apex Legends that keeps talking crap over the mics. And you're just like, I'm going to, you are an eight-year-old in your mom's basement. But you can't, you can't let it go. Sometimes it's the third little Debbie snack that you can't let go. You know what I'm saying? I haven't had that many today. Um, maybe it's the fact that McAllister's got your order wrong. You know, there's little things. Now, there's things that are light like that in life that we can't let go. Like just, they got my order wrong, now I have to stand in the billion people line again, you know, or wait for someone that's gonna come get my stuff to like tell them. But there's little things that we need to let go. There's, there's light things, there's also heavy things. There's heavy things in our life that are tough to let go. Like heavy stuff, like maybe a death in the family or divorce, stuff like that. We can hold on to for a long time as well. And so, I want us to think about the things in our life, whether they're heavy or they're light, think of it kind of like this, okay? So um, these, these are 45-pound plates, 45 pounds, all right? Now, my daughter is 30, but somehow I can't lift this up, all right? I lift her up all the time, but this feels like a 1,000 times heavier somehow. So it, say if this is a heavy thing in your life that you're going to pick up, so, you know, whatever it might be, um, Depression. It could be something within you. It could be somebody, something in somebody else's life as well that's just super heavy. Let me just ask you a couple questions. If I were to hold this somehow, like outstretched, like a, the strongest server you've ever seen at Texas Roadhouse, and if I were to hold it like this outstretched for a minute, what do you think would happen? To answer anytime. It's fine. <laughs> I probably would drop it, right? I would have to deal with the weight somehow. I would have to deal with it pretty quickly because it's heavy. Now, even if I were carrying both weights like this, I mean, what if I tried to just stand here for three straight minutes carrying it like this? What do you think is going to happen to my fingers? I might just fall off. Like, I don't know, right? I'm getting tired just trying to hold these like this right now. So heavy, heavy things like this, you'd have to deal with pretty quickly. Now, some things in life are a little bit lighter, but what were to happen, which one's lighter? That's 25, this is 20. Okay. <laughs> what would happen if I were to hold this straight out here like this for, say, five minutes? What would happen? I could start to mess my shoulder up, right? Now, in the gym, like I do these with this weight to like build muscle and things like that, but for, three, for, for six, 10, 
20 minutes like that, I could like seriously hurt my shoulder. I could seriously hurt that. But now there's things that are, that are light. Water bottle. Water is probably the lightest liquid ever. Color and everything. It's just super easy. Now what if I were to hold this in my hand for 20 minutes out here like this? Could I do it? Maybe. We're not going to try right now. <laughs> I'm just going to preach like this the whole night. What if I were to hold this bottle of water for 24 hours like this? It'd be the most unimpressive, cool thing I've ever done. But what would happen to my shoulder? Like, I could cause some serious damage, right? And if you think about it, like, what, what it would happen if I just, like, if I just, like, my life depended on it, kept this out as long as I could, I would probably tear everything in my shoulder, rupture muscle and things like that, just because I'm just holding it out here like this, because my arm's not supposed to be like that. But how would I end the pain? Just let go. See, the, the truth is the weights in our life that, that we pick up that are part of the world, whatever, even if they're light, over time they'll cause damage. Even if they're light, even if they're no big deal right now, if I keep holding them, they will cause damage. And it's the same thing for our heart. It's the same thing for our spirit. When we pick up stuff that God doesn't want us to have, even if it's light, obviously tough stuff happens and we feel weighed down. But I, I think that the heavy things in our life, we have to deal with more quickly. And I feel like they're not as hidden because there's obviously something wrong with me. There's obviously something I'm struggling with. But if I'm carrying something really light, I can almost hide the fact that it's messing with me until it started to destroy me. You see, there's an enemy out there and his purpose is to steal, to kill and destroy. And his purpose is to weigh us down with anything, whether it's heavy or it's light. But I'm here to tell you that where the enemy will weigh you down, God will always lift you up. He will always lift you up. And I feel like tonight God wants to lift you up. And maybe some of you right now are thinking, yes, I need to be lifted up in my life because there's something that is heavy in my life. And if those of you that don't have these heavy things, I bet there's probably something light that God wants you to let go of tonight. Because when we let go of something the world has to offer, we have a free hand to pick up what God has to offer. And I believe that every single time we encounter God, he gives us an opportunity to get something from him. And so tonight, I want to talk about a few things that may seem light in our life to pick up first, but they'll end in destruction. They'll end destroying parts of us if we don't let go. So tonight, I want to talk about letting go of a few things, and I want to talk about taking hold of one, of one thing. Now, I want to use a story in the Bible, and it's one of the most like, famous stories in the Bible. And it's a story that Jesus told, and he told these things called parables um, and stories that are basically just like illustrations for people that he was teaching. And he told, I love Jesus because he's a really good storyteller. I know he's a good storyteller because how many of you know that he's written the story of our lives out? He, he knows 
what's going to happen. He, he has plans for each and every one of us to have a future and a hope. So if he's telling a story in the Bible, I'm going to take a little bit more close. I'm going to pay more close attention to that. And so Jesus tells this story, and it's called the story of the prodigal son. And it's a really famous story. And some of you might know this story. But some, why it's one of my favorite stories is because he, like Jesus, always tells me something new every time I read this one. Like there's a lot of different parts of the Bible that like I, I, maybe I don't get as much good things of, but it seems like every time I read this story, I get something new. And I want to share with you guys the newest part of what I found um, in studying this. And so it's, it's all mapped out in Luke 15. And it starts out with the, uh, Jesus illustrating what the kingdom of God is going to look like and specifically how to, f- how to find something that's lost within the kingdom of God. And so he is describing how it's set up how the kingdom of God is set up. And he uses his illustration of a family. And it's a father and his two sons. So we're gonna jump into the story in Luke 15. It says this, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Thanks, son, <laughs> right? So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Anyone in here, the older sibling? Is anybody the older sibling in here? All right, there's a lot of you. I am too. I'm also the younger sibling in the middle one. I'm an only child. Um, I generally just side whichever is going to give me the best things. So if you're the older sibling, how mad would you be if your younger brother or your younger sister asked for all of their college money right now and then your parents gave it to them? That'd be messed up, right? Don't fight you guys. They're brothers in the room. (laughs) But that'd be kind of messed up. You'd probably be like, what? What is going on? But something I want to point out in this passage is that the father divided his wealth between his sons. So both of them got it. So though the younger sibling asked for all of his money, asked for all of his inheritance, so it's basically, it's like if their dad had died at that moment, then like all the money and all the like land and all that stuff would be split between them. Well, the younger son asked for all of his stuff before his his dad actually passes away, which is super messed up. But he does it, and his dad does it. His dad does it. And so this is what it says in Luke 15, 13. So we keep going. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now, I'm not going to like compare you guys at all, but who is a younger sibling in here? Anybody the younger sibling? I am too. Okay. Now, how many of you, like, think about this. Say your parents gave you a hundred grand right now as the younger sibling. Are there moments in your life that it would be easier to just move away? Probably. I think it might be easier to move away than some of the family drama. It might be easier to move away with a hundred thousand dollars than use a shared bathroom one more day, Right? Things like that. And so I could see the appeal here. I could see how the younger brother's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I might just go move away. But it jumps into, let's put that verse up again real quick. And we'll just leave it up there for a second. Uh, A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings. So one thing I want to point out right here is that a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings. So he had some time to think. He had some time, uh, I don't know if he just had all the money bags in his room or something like that, or maybe he laid out all the money on his bed like we all kind of want to, to, you know, to like, I laid in all the money. But he had a few days to think about it and then he takes off. He takes off. Um, He moves to a distant land 
And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. And this is where we meet the first thing that we need to let go of, and that's sin. Now, right here in this verse, it seems like, well, he, I know we're talking, Pastor Will, you said we're going to talk about the light things. But the dude wasted all his money in wild living. He jumped straight to the heavy stuff. Because what is wild living in this, in this verse? Wild living is like you're, gonna, you're going out, you're gambling. Um, bacon, well, in that day it was bacon. Uh, bacon was super illegal back then. But uh, no, thank you, Jesus, for clearing bacon up for us. That is a good thing. But what wild living means right here in this verse is like drunken parties, drugs, um, like prostitution. Things like that, like this dude went nuts. And so it doesn't seem like when we read this verse that, uh, yeah, sin didn't start here. It started in like prostitution. That's like 80 more of these weights somehow. The dude went nuts right out the gate. But what I want, to, what I want you to, to see is that it says he had, the, he had the, a few days to think about it. And we learn later in this passage that the son was gone for years. So I want to submit to you that sin, man, it doesn't exactly start out like out the gate. You're doing the worst things like murder and stuff like that. Like that's not how sin works. I think that sin seems pretty light off the top. And James 1.15 says this, and it explains how sin kind of works um, through its stuff. And it says these desires. So it starts with the desire. The son had a desire to get all the money, and then he moved off. So it started with the desire, and then it gave, desire gave birth to sinful actions. Sinful actions gives birth to what? Death. Sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And so I think it started small, but it ended really, really heavy. And that was over a longer period of time than just one sentence. It took the younger son a little bit longer to go through it. So what are the light sins? Like, what, is it, what does it look like for the, for the small desire to start in our head uh, and then move on to death? Well, I mean, it could start as small as cussing. Like, maybe you start using a few cuss words, and maybe they're just three-letter words right now, but then you get to the four-letter words with the F in there, and it gets a little bit crazier, and it kind of builds on, it, on itself, and then all of a sudden you feel yourself um, kind of around a lot of people that use cuss words as well, um, and then you find yourself in a culture that has vulgar jokes, and then you find yourself around a lot of people um, that are not following Jesus but are actually lost and, not, and following the world, and, you, and you, you find yourself all of a sudden, maybe over a year's time, instead of just um, playing around with just the, the light part of of, of saying a few cuss words, you find yourself um, really weighed down by a culture that you kind of led yourself to. And maybe not you didn't lead yourself to, but sin led there. I mean, it can start really small too um, with uh, gossip, with lying. We can start like saying the little juicy stuff first and it's not that big of a deal, but then you start saying things about people that are closer to you and it ends in bitter betrayal and it ends um, with you being labeled a fraud. Where you start lying to get out of this or get out of that. And all of a sudden you're at war with your mom or your dad because you're trying to cover up all this different stuff. And then all of a sudden um, you're in constant battle with them because you're now addicted to lying. I mean, what about chewing or vaping? That literally leads to death. 
It says on the label, actually. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, for anybody that's under 18, you're not allowed to do that. It's against the law. Um, and, and so, and it says on the label that, like, it causes cancer. So, boom. It's super, super simple right there. See how little things can, can lead and, and go on to things that are, that are not good. But fortunately, see, God set up this thing from the beginning. Because if you think about the very first sin, the very first sin ever was Adam and Eve, and what was their sin? They murdered a, no, they didn't murder anybody. Oh, man, they, no, Adam couldn't cheat on her because there's nobody else. Um, oh, yeah, they ate a piece of fruit. I mean, that was, that was the first sin. That was the first sin, but God's response to the very first sin, the very first command that, that, that mankind disobeyed was not a punishment. If you read the, the scripture, it actually, his, his first response to sin was a rescue plan. And that rescue plan was God's only son in Jesus. And this is what Jesus says in John 8. It says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Let's stop right there. Who sins? Everybody. Romans 3 says, everybody falls, falls short of God's standard. We all sin. That's not encouraging. I understand that, but let's read the rest of it. Let's read the rest of it. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. See, Jesus bled and he died. A perfect, he was perfect. He never sinned, but because he bled and died, he obliterated sin for messing with our eternity, for messing with us. And if we put our faith and our hope in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are not. We are members of a family in God. And so, see, the small sin, though it could grow, Jesus makes it very easy for us to just drop it. He makes it easy for us to do it by coming to him for forgiveness and just saying, Jesus, man, I'm sorry for doing this or doing that. So we're able to drop that before sin gives birth uh, or, or the desires give birth to the, to the actions which give birth to death. We don't have to get to here. Jesus gives us the access to be able to let go of it sooner than that. See, we can't hold on to God and the world. If, if we pick up the light sins in our life and we keep doing that, see, sin messes up our closeness with God. Now, let me be very clear. It does not... Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God loved us and died for us while we still sin. But we can't hope to hold on to the world and to God. See, Jesus will get out of the car before he'll go in the back seat. We can't just put Jesus in the back seat and still carry on a sin, even if it's small. See, what happens is Jesus will wait for that that, that weight, he'll keep loving us through that until we end up turning back to him. And that's where we come back into the story. The younger son finds himself, um, with all that wild living, he finds himself in a field. And in the field, because when he ran out of all his money after years of wild living and doing all this sin, he runs out of money and then a famine sweeps across the, the, the whole place. And then what happens is he's so hungry that he begs a farmer for a job and his job is to feed the pigs and the pig's food looks so good that he wants to eat the pig slop for his own food. So he hits rock bottom. The weight, the, it got heavy. The sin got heavy. And so then 
he comes to terms and he makes a decision. In Luke 15, 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And this is super important. He says this, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. This is where we find the second thing that we should let go of, and that is shame. Remember that John 8 verse that said that the son, the son who sets us free, it says everyone who sins is a slave of sin. But a slave is not a permanent member of the family. A son is part of the family forever. How long is forever? It's forever. It's forever. See, shame tells us that our position with God is jacked up, but it's not. See, see shame tells us that, that we're no longer part of the family, but Jesus very clearly says, oh, you're still part of the family forever. If you put your faith and hope in Jesus, you are part of the family forever. But shame comes in right away. And we see it in Genesis 3 too. When Adam and Eve, they first, they first sinned, they covered themselves because they were ashamed. And so, man, we drop the sin and then Satan sweeps back up with shame and gets us to pick up shame. See, shame is any negative thought about yourself, about yourself. It's, it's little things like, I'm not good enough or I'm not, I'm not a good enough daughter. I'm not a good enough, um, uh, I'm not a good enough son. I'm not, a, I'm not a good enough student. I'm not a good enough friend. Or maybe you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not strong enough. It's any negative thought about yourself. And it normally follows a uh, thought or an action of where you did something wrong at some level, or you feel like you did something wrong. And so uh, I like to think of it a simple way that um, it, shame can, can jack my whole day up is I'll pick, I'll pick up a little tiny thing. So um, the one thing that, that sticks out to my mind, how many of you guys know that like at Chick-fil-A, they give you coupons on receipts? Do you guys know that? I know you don't want me to say it, Joe, because then you can't pick them up off the tables when people leave them. But on some receipts, you can, um, you can get, you can get uh, free sandwiches if you fill out this little survey. And so it's a free Chick-fil-A sandwich or a spicy sandwich. It's really awesome. Well, uh, one time I had a bunch in my wallet and I, I forgot to fill them out. And then if you don't fill them out within a certain time, you lose them. And so I told Joe that and Joe said, stewardship will, <laughs> which basically means you need to like, <laughs> you need to take care of your stuff. And so I'm like, I know. And this little thought went into my head. This little thought went into my head. And it was the enemy. He said, and I was like, I don't deserve those coupons anyway because I didn't take care of them. And to be clear, Joe did not tell me that. This is like the enemy in this little thing. But then all of a sudden, that day, I'm thinking I don't deserve it. Does that make sense? See, it could start really that simple. It really can. See, when my, when my daughter, when I tell her she can play outside and then she falls off the trampoline and gets hurt, I have this little voice in my head that says, I'm not a good dad. Because does that make sense? Like that shame all of a sudden, I'm not good enough. And then if my whole day goes on like that, all of a sudden, this thing that is really light thing that picks up, I'm not good enough. Or maybe I cheated on my diet for one meal and then it's like, I'm not skinny enough. I'm, I'm a bad dieter. I'm not good enough. And all of a sudden I'm picking up all this stuff of like, I'm a bad person. I'm a, I'm a bad, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm in depression really quick. And maybe some of us can identify with that a little bit. But see, shame, it looks like a feather, but it feels like a stone. 
it's so easy to look in the mirror and think that you're not good enough. But I want to be very clear. Do you know what you're worth? The precious blood of Jesus. That's what you're worth. Jesus already told you you're worth. You're worth the precious blood of Jesus. So if we pick up the feather that feels like a stone, we don't feel like we're worth it. And that's what the son felt. The son felt like he wasn't worth it. He wasn't worth being called a son anymore. He was gonna be called a servant. He was literally gonna try and put himself as a slave again. When the whole time God is like, you're my kids. And Satan's trying to get us to pick up these light things, carry them all day to when we ending the day, we're depressed. We feel off. We feel like we're in a funk. And we have all these negative thoughts about ourselves, about how we're not good enough. We're comparing ourselves to other people. And it all starts out as this little thought, but it morphs into this big thing. And shame's, shame jacks up our identity. I want to go back to the story really fast as I close. And it says this, <clears throat> Luke 15, 20 and 21. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, remember the son's plan, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. That's what, that's what the son says to the father. The younger son believes that it's because of his choices that his position changed. Because he squandered all of his dad's wealth, and he, and he went into all the crazy sin, and now he's ashamed. He feels like his position's changed. But look how the dad... And this is Jesus illustrating how the kingdom of God works. Look how the dad, what he says. He says, but his father said to the servants, he doesn't even address the son. The son's like, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible person. And the, father's, the father just looks straight to the servants. Uh, and he says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. That sounds super gruesome, but it means make a steak dinner. Okay? Um, make a steak dinner. Uh, we must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. The dad didn't even, didn't even listen to the son trying to change his position. Didn't even listen to him. He put a brand new robe on him, a ring on his finger. He put new sandals on his feet and they made, and made through a steak dinner for him and a party, a party that... A party so loud that you can hear it from houses away as we, as we get into the rest of the story, but I'm going to save that for another time. What I want you guys to understand is that our position does not change even when we pick up that little stuff. And how we can drop it is to realize who you are, who God says you are. God says you are free from sin, and he says you are a son or a daughter forever, forever. That's who God says you are. We talked about letting go of certain things, but I want to talk about what we need to hold on to. I'm going to put a picture of my daughter when she was a week old up. This is when Ruby when she was a week old. Super cute. She looks like an old man somehow still. Um, but that's how newborns are. They're, they're, she's, she's a week old. And um, we can tell it's Ruby and not Liam because there's a Ruby in the picture. <laughs> they look really similar. But um, so in this room, as we're taking this, um, my wife wants to take pictures. And I'm just like, she's this tiny little infant. We shouldn't mess with her. Um, but so the room is like 90 degrees so she can sleep. So she's sleeping in this picture. Well, right after this picture, I pick her up. I pick her up and she's still naked. Okay. I'm holding her. 
Um, and it's just super cute. I mean, she's super awesome. She's brand new. Um, and, and I just remember looking at her and she's just like making these like really sweet baby noises. And then she just, just craps in my hand. She just pooped in my hand. And infant poop is just wet and watery. It's terrible. But I don't want to wake her up. I don't want to wake her up. I'm losing it. I'm like, Bleh. and I'm not trying to be loud. So my wife's like, right, just, just like feet away. I'm like, Robin, she pooped in my hand. She pooped in my hand. And Robin just leans over the diaper table and starts laughing. Just, just left me hosed. All right. And I mean, it was, it was, it was a crappy deal for sure. Oh man, I was wiped after that one. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry. That's, I'll stop. But while I was holding my infant daughter, though she pooped in my hand, not one time did I think about dropping her. Not one time did I think about letting her go. Not one time did I think about putting her down. See, the truth is, the one thing that we need to hold on to is God. But it's way more God's job to hold on to us than us to him. Like he will hold on to us way longer than we hold on to him. Because, you know, we're not perfect. It's true. Sometimes we just, we crap in God's hand. I mean, that's the truth of it. Because if we choose to follow God, I'm not perfect. I still mess up. And if sin separates from me from God, it's a lot like that. But God does not drop me. He is not in the business of leaving his kids. Like the dad in the story, he is waiting and watching for you to come back and to hold on to him. It's part of who God is. And so that we can let go of the small things. We can let go of the medium things. We can let go of the heavy things. But it's not just a let go. It's a pick up too. And it's a hold on to him. only thing that we should hold on to is God. And the only thing that God wants to hold on to is you. And so tonight I want to talk to you about this exchange because if I let go of the things that are trying to keep me from holding on to him, it's not just about letting go. It's also about picking up what he has of what he wants for me because from him emanates the faith from him comes the love from him comes the hope from him comes the good things in our life self-control and patience and gentleness and goodness and and all of these wonderful things just come from him it's who he is and so tonight right now i want us to, to let go of the, of the small things so i want you to close your eyes real quick and i want you to just to just begin to invite God into your heart and into your mind. And ask him, like, God, what are you showing me? What are you showing me, Lord, that's, that's, that's small, that I can let go of? Man, is it, is, it, is it looking in the mirror thinking I'm not good enough? Is it a weird conversation I had? And I'm believing that I'm I'm not really who I am. Is it a, God, is it a sin in my life? Is it cussing or gossip or lying? Is it vaping? Is it 
chewing. Is there something I'm believing that that is small now but could lead to destruction? Jesus, what is that thing? And as Jesus starts to speak to you right now, as Jesus starts to speak to you right now, I wanna invite you to change your posture a little bit and I want everybody to stand up. Stand up with me. And it's not about anybody else in the room or who's next to us. But with your eyes closed right now, think about that thing. Like, what is that thing? And maybe for some of us, it's heavy. Maybe it's a heavy thing. For some of us, maybe it's a deep addiction to sin or deep addiction uh, to drugs or alcohol or deep addiction to something. Maybe for some of us, um, it's, it's, it's a, the death of a loved one or a divorce or something that's looming in, 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 in our future and we're super worried about it. Maybe it's heavy, maybe it's super light. But I believe that Jesus wants to speak to you right now. So when, when you have that thing in your mind, why don't you just imagine it in your hand? And hold out your hand like you're holding it. Like you're holding the thing that you're gonna drop. I think that the things that we do in the physical are, are, are representations of what we do in the spiritual. So if you, if you feel like you know that thing, hold it out in your hand right now. And feel the weight of it. Is it heavy? Is it light? Whatever it is, I believe that God wants it tonight. And as you feel that in your hand, I want you to imagine Jesus in front of you and I want you to just drop it. Turn your palms down and drop it. Drop it at his feet. And now with your arms, just open them up to a hug, Jesus. With your eyes closed, imagine Jesus there just, just wanting your heart. He wants to hold you. He wants to hold on to you. So as that weight is gone, let me pray this blessing over you. Jesus, I pray, God, that with, with all the weight, whether it's light, whether it's medium, or whether it's heavy, I pray that all of this can be, can be felt as a weight lifted, as a weight gone. And God, I pray that, that we can feel your lightness. Jesus, you say that your burden, that your love, that your presence is light and that you are in the business of lifting us up. And so, Father, I pray that every single heart, every single soul right now uh, can, can experience being lifted up by you. Lift these hearts in this room, God. Give us strength and courage from your presence, God, to be able to go out this week and to be able to continually drop the light things, to continually follow you, to continually hold on to you, Jesus. Give them strength, give them courage. Lord, give them boldness to drop the things that can cause destruction and to give us your presence. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. God, I pray for every single heart and soul here to, to be able to feel your presence all week long. And that, Lord, that we can feel and know and understand that you are desperately after us, that you are throwing a party for us, that there is a place at your table with our name on it that no matter what happens to us this week, our position next to you does not change. 
Bless our minds and our hearts. And it's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Man, Jesus loves you guys so much. So this week, think about those light things. Think about those heavy things. And continually, it's like a daily thing to just try and drop those things. And it's not just dropping it. It's also holding on to him. So exchange that. Bible says that we that Jesus wants us to come to come to him anybody who's weary or heavy with burden and he will give you rest he will give you his presence thanks for listening to the 4640 student center podcast for more information on what's happening in 4640 you can check us out on social media and at our website 4640gj.com service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights hope to see you there